businesses. It's not just tweaking businesses or just helping businesses to stand still. It's about growth. And and then, as you say, it's, it's a methodology and a, a process. It's it, it's underlining how important having a process and a methodology is. Um, that's it's so often a, a, a key missing link within within a business uh, who's who's doing optimization that there isn't really a structured approach a, a kind of philosophy so that's just in terms of the title of it and the the kind of top level purpose welcome to the 2x e-commerce podcast show where we interview founders of fast growing seven and eight figure e-commerce businesses and e-commerce experts They'll tell their stories, share how they 2x their businesses, and inspire you to take action in your own online retail business today. And now, here he is, the man in the mix, Kunle Campbell. As an online retailer or supplier, you're well aware that accurate product content drives more sales. However, as your store starts to grow and scale, the harsh reality is that maintaining product description content becomes more and more of a challenge to e-commerce teams. Well, enter Salsify. Salsify is a SaaS-based product content management platform built specifically for online retailers and brand owners. I recently took Salsify on a test drive, and here are the glaring advantages e-tailers stand to gain. First, your entire product catalog can be accessed by any department in a centralized hub. Then there's a workflow setup that ensures no fields go amiss when product data is published to multiple channels such as Amazon, your Google Merchants account, or just directly to your e-commerce store. And third, Salsify tells you when it spots missing critical fields across your product catalog. It is a really modern, flexible, and robust product management platform. I recommend if your store and brand's product catalog changes often, and if you publish to numerous channels quite often. As a 2x e-commerce listener, you get to trial Salsify for free on salsify.com forward slash 2x. That's S-A-L-S-I-F-Y dot com forward slash 2x. I'll leave more details and a link on this show's show page. So my guest on today's episode goes by the name of Paul Rook. Paul runs the UK's number one conversion rate optimization or CRO agency. This is not just fluff, guys. Um, this is earned. And here's why. Um, the client list includes outdoor wear brand North Face, travel search engine Sky Scanner, footwear retailer Shoe. Um, they even um, have done CRO for the UK's number one appliances e-commerce site, AO.com, Appliances Online. And um, they've not only done that, they've worked with MBNA, Harvest, Money Supermarket, Benson's for Bed, Spido and Monsoon. Right, so I, I met Paul um, earlier in the year at um, the Elite Camp, a CRO conference in Estonia, where he spoke about iterative and innovative testing. Um, he also shed some light on his agency's approach to testing in general over that. And, and then I said, okay, you know what, I'm going to get in touch with, with Paul at some point. We connected via Twitter and LinkedIn. 
And um, recently, he's, his agency just released a, launched a book, published a book. And we said it'd be a good time for, for us to catch up with Paul. So we talk about the, the industry, CRO, testing. We, we talk about his methodology for his agency. And, and we talk about the outlook for 2016 for mid-tier e-tailers um, and the e-commerce industry in general. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome to the show, Paul Rook. Welcome, Paul. Thank you very much, Kunle. Yeah, uh, thanks very much for the invite. And uh, yeah, it's great to be taking part in this. Much appreciated. It, it is fantastic having you on the show because um, um, you, you're a leading CRO expert in, in, in the UK and, and in Europe and world in general. You know, um, Could you take a, a second, 30 seconds or about a minute to, to, to introduce yourself to, to our listeners, please? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I've... Uh, just a bit of back history with myself. Uh, I left school uh, 16. I uh, went. I started a four-year engineering apprenticeship with uh, British Aerospace. So uh, that was my initial uh, career path going down. Um, part of a very select group of people. And um, but halfway through that four-year apprenticeship, I realised that I just didn't have the passion um, for kind of manufacturing, engineering, electrical engineering. And I decided to go back to what my passion was through school, which was around kind of design mm. um you know computers and, and design so um i left engineering um i went i actually went into print design as my first uh, kind of design role mm. and um and then i moved into online user experience back in 1998 um which was at uh, shop direct and and i was their first web designer Okay. So um, that's just some of my early career, and it was from following Shop Direct. Um, I uh, went out on my own to uh, set set up PRWD. Okay, 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 okay. So 1998. That that is a long, a long, long time. Um, by the way, what does PRWD mean? I've been meaning to ask you. Yeah, no, the great. Uh, yeah, I do get asked that often, and um, so the. It's PR um, was very much was for Paul Rook. Um, the the WD was for website design. So eleven years ago, when I first um, thought of going out on my own, um, creating an identity, it was PRWD, Paul Rook website design. Um, <laughs> I didn't think about that. <laughs> quite yeah, quite quickly, I, I thought well um, maybe. I don't want it to just be about myself. Um, you know, do I want my name as part of the the company name, the acronym? So, um, I changed the PR from meaning Paul Rook to um, to stand for professional because I thought if if I'm a professional business, then um, I'll be um, yeah. I'll, I mean, I've, I've got a good footing to um, to to kind of develop a business. So, um, it was professional website design, but basically that that was for the first few years and design user experience it's always been core to what i've done but um no prwd is just is just as it is it's without an acronym it's it's the company name that i developed um, or i came up with 11 years ago when things were quite a lot different to how they are today quite interesting because you're the second CRO expert i um i'm speaking i've spoken to that um has made the transition from web design to to, to optimization and user experience. Um, I spoke with Pep Lyre um, sometime last year and um, he, he said he was pretty much running a, a web design agency at the time and he went, he attended a conference and he, after coming back, he just said, you know, team, we're, we're changing direction and we're going to be a CR agency. And it, it is quite interesting. So when did you make the transition from 
focus of web design to to actually optimizing experiences so in terms of when it, it so 11 years ago when i started out okay. um kind of user experience and, and particularly user research um i i conducted my first moderated user research probably 14 years ago going back to when i was at shop direct so the that core area of optimizing experiences and being able to un develop hypotheses based on understanding customers and users and behavior mm. um we're talking about going back 14 years ago. So um, although I wasn't doing split testing, A-B testing when uh, the business was a few years old, um, mainly because there wasn't any testing tools available, um, the, in terms of really strong user experience based on understanding user behavior has always been core to the business. Mm -hmm. um, so it was probably, we're probably going back about four years ago now where as a business we, we made the, the specific changed our, our decision to deliver the vast majority of our work through ongoing optimization programs um so running testing continuously for our clients with still with very much the foundation for that being around the whole understanding consumer behavior um so so yeah i thought does that kind of answer the question that probably four years ago the specific move into Yes. ongoing optimization as, uh, as a core yes. focus yeah, yes it does yes it does okay and um you you you've built up quite an impressive list of clients um do you typically work only with um enterprise clients or is it a mix of mid-tier and enterprise clients yeah it's it's definitely a mix um i've, I've been privileged to attract fantastic very you know very top level enterprise brands um to want yeah. to work with me from when he was, when I was just a one man band um they were you know they were buying the expertise rather than the agency or a group of people so that that's been very satisfying for me and we've continued attracting fantastic brands uh, to work with but actually there's a real mix and I'm sure we'll get onto this when we talk about when we talk a bit more about our book and um our kind of maturity audit and things like that that there's being a big business doesn't mean that you're necessarily best suited to um to like growing your business through optimization and some of our most enjoyable and impactful work has been with that more the kind of mid-tier level business where there's increased agility um there isn't it's, we're not trying to turn an oil tank around from a, a well-established huge um business corporation um so so yeah we work mid-tier through to that top tier um it's just typically there's different challenges and different opportunities for us to add value to, to businesses based on the scale of them brilliant brilliant um i hope to speak more in detail about the mid-tier um and i love the the agility um of, of mid-tier you know retailers the, the ability to actually even turn around their business models you know if um, if, if growth is in the horizon. Okay, so let's talk about um, the global optimization group um, you're, you're part of. I spoke with, with Andrew Morris of WebArts in, in Germany. Um, um, he, he, you, PRWD, are UK representatives. You're the sole UK representatives. How does it work? Um, and um, could you tell us how you know, why, why, why listeners should sort of, you know, um, think about, you know, using or global optimization group companies. Yeah, great. So, um, so yeah, as you say, uh, Andre founded the, um, what is, 
what what was previously called the Global Conversion Alliance. So we, yeah. it's currently just um, we're just currently kind of rebranding um, the, the the kind of group to um, the Global Optimization Group, as you say. Mm-hmm. Um, Andre founded it, and and it was it was through his desire and, and re- real desire and wanting to basically learn from other. A respected, experienced optimization companies, and he first approached Chris Goward over at uh, Wirefunnel over at Canada, and um, and so they they were the first two companies to come together to basically share knowledge, to share experience, to share methodologies, to to be, to kind of help each other's businesses become even better, mm. um, to to learn from each other, to learn from mistakes, to see what's working really well, what's having the biggest impact with clients, so. They were the first two, two agencies, and then um, since that we had um, Conversionista uh, join John Ekman um, over in Sweden, mm-hmm. and uh, and then obviously ourselves in the UK. So it was about three years ago where I was extremely privileged for Andre to invite PRWD to become the, as you say, the sole UK representative of the group, and now. Um, the the main way, like some of the key ways in which we work, is that annually um, all the founders of the agencies um, get meet face to face for um, for about a week's time to have like a week of strategy and a week of learning from each other's businesses, and it's a, such a unique forum um, that that we're a part of. Um, I'm not sure of too many other industries where the the main leading companies in that industry. Um, in in their respective countries would actually sit around a table and basically share pretty much everything about the business. Mm. Um, you know, there's such honesty and such trust there uh, between the agencies. So it's a very unique position to be in. So we we share knowledge and experience and help each other's businesses at the at the strategic top end of the business. But then also our practitioners and our strategists and researchers and designers also uh, are connected to each other and can learn from each other and um, and a few are actually meeting together later on uh, this month um, over in Germany so there's practitioners flying in from around the world so it's yeah very very unique but very privileged um, to be a part of, of this group. Well, it, it, it says a lot about the industry how collaborative it, it is and how forward-thinking you guys are to, to, towards you know helping you know the organizations you support. Okay let's move really swiftly into this book um, it's titled The Story of Untapped Potential, The Growth Strategy That's Being Ignored. Could you shed a bit of light about it and, you know, kind of summarize what, what it's about? You've got about 17 experts who chimed in their, their opinion and um, philosophy on optimization at the moment. Um, please go ahead. Yeah, so I think the, um, so the, the purpose of this book is to... It's not. It's not a, a book of tactics. Um, it, it's this is a strategic book. It, it's a book that needs to get in front of and, and be read by everyone from the decision makers, the chief executives of businesses, down to the next level down of the executive suite, and then the, the management teams below that. Um, so the, the book is is here to basically. Um, it's, it, we've basically cherry-picked uh, the insights from um, kind of global leaders in, in optimization, who each in their own countries who are working with companies day in, day out. And, and each of us are all um, seeing the same challenges and the same issues and the same barriers as to why optimization still isn't 
where it needs to be within a business in terms of being a central core area um, for, for help help to grow that business. And it, it's been fascinating to kind of de- develop the book and to be speak me to be speaking to the other thought leaders to to kind of realize and recognize actually these same challenges and issues that are holding companies back. This isn't just something in the UK. This is in in the US, Germany, in France, and in other countries. Um, so there's kind of you know these are the this book is highlighting the inherent um, bottlenecks or the inherent reasons why conversion optimization and testing and this whole thing around understanding user behavior and making continual changes to improve online experiences and improve business performance it is still years away from from being where it where it deserves to be which is where where something like opt, search engine optimization is now which is basically intrinsic to most businesses kind of marketing strategy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so that's so, so, sorry yeah yeah, good, good. So, so going forward, right? Um, what will be, in, in your opinion, what picture would be ideal for the optimization industry? Um, so, if we're to take on, if the industry, um, which is you know the online, so the online economy, so websites that um, pretty much rely um, on the internet to drive revenue, take on the advice from this book. Where, what direction would we be headed? Um, so we'd be, what, what I suppose what this would look like is that the, the whole approach of continually testing different ways of, different ways of delivering your uh, digital experience mm. is, is in the fabric of, of a business. It's not, it's not something that's done for a few months at a time or it's not just something that's done on your PPC landing pages. Mm. It's, it's something that is, is just as integral to the business as your acquisition strategy. Mm. Um, that, that, that's where we need to get to, that it's, it's not this um, sideshow um, that it's all like the elephant in the room that we know we should be doing it, but or we'll just carry on focusing on acquisition as an example, or we'll get a tool and we'll do a bit of testing, but we'll, we'll just continue focusing on our big redesign that's coming next year. Um, yeah, it's, it's a big, it's a big cultural shift in thinking and mindset that's needed. Getting into the mind of a CEO or a founder or even a C-level marketing director, um, that's not too aware of CRO. You know, they've probably attended um, you know, conferences. They've heard about it. They're, they're interested in the, you know, in, in the concept. So looking at their strategy, so there's acquisition, there's retention, and there's referral marketing. Um, what area, what part of um, the, shall I say, marketing funnel does CRO have the most impact? Would it be at acquisition, at um, retention, or at um, getting customers to be advocates of, of your business? So I think that I suppose the first immediate impact is uh, would be on the investment that the company, the retailer, is making in acquisition. Mm-hmm. So paid search, social, um, retargeting, email, um, gaining that direct impact of running tests 
analyzing the impact it's having on the traffic that's coming from your PPC, from your email campaigns or direct, whatever it might be, that the numbers are there. It's 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 obviously we, you know we're running experiments. Um, it's data driven. It's this is this is the reality of what's happening on the site and how our variation that we've introduced is ideally, hopefully, uh, leading to um, uh, an increase in the percentage of people doing what we want them to do, mm. which is to obviously buy or convert, uh, purchase, subscribe. Um, that will affect our bottom line metrics mm. because that's that's how our business needs to grow so that that's kind of immediate payoff um the i suppose like the follow-on from that is in providing that i suppose you aren't using what would be called like the black arts of persuading people through um with with techniques that are almost tricking people into converting so stand like staying very clear of that because you could yeah you could trick people into converting or you could give them um a false understanding of what they're going to get for their money. Mm. Um, when they, when they see the reality of that, that it isn't as good, then you're not going to get brand advocates and your retention of that, that customer, um, isn't going to be as strong. Mm. So, um, retention is really interesting that when optimization is done really intelligently and successfully, mm. um, that then will start to have a positive impact on your retention rate because you've delivered a better experience, people have enjoyed it more, they've got through the experience, you've delighted them with some different maybe persuasion techniques. The the end part of your funnel, your confirmation page, you've actually done something memorable so you stick in the mind more. All these types of things that will help to encourage that customer to both come back but also to potentially um, provide referrals or reviews for yourself um, which will then help obviously broaden brand awareness or broaden your new customer base. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, it, it, this is this is a thing about optimization is that it can positively impact the, all the key metrics that will help a business to continue to grow and to mm-hmm. take market share. It's, it's a ground up approach starting from acquisition and then, you know, it, it filters through retention and advocacy. That's, that's really, really interesting. Let's talk about your um, the CRO growth methodology. That's PRWD's growth methodology, which um, was mentioned in the book and um, which I actually found on your website. Could you share? I believe it's your philosophy, or it's actually a framework. It should be your framework um, to, to to growth, and that ties in again to the title of the book, which is you know the growth strategy that's been ignored. Um, could you break it down um, to to our listeners? Um, yeah. So I think I think like first of all to say um, just with the the name of it, the the growth methodology. Um, first of all, it's been absolutely clear this this is about growth. It's about growing businesses. It's mm-hmm. not just tweaking businesses or just helping businesses to stand still. It's about growth and and then as you say it's a methodology and a process it's it, it's underlining how important having a process and a methodology is um that's it's so often a, a, a key missing link within within a business uh, who's who's doing optimization that there isn't really a structured approach a, a kind of philosophy so that's just in terms of the title of it and the the kind of top level purpose um in terms of to talk um through it a little bit um i suppose it'd be good useful for listeners to this to have it um kind of see it in front of them um but it starts we, we have our growth foundations um and these these growth 
these the four growth foundations, which we know from all our experiences, both working directly with clients and both from our team having worked within some of the UK's leading brands, are the, the four pillars for, for long-term growth or optimization. And the four pillars are um, a, the strategy and culture for the business. You know, that has got to be right for the business to exploit the potential of optimization. So that's the first pillar. The second pillar is tools and technology. Um, having the right tools in place and the right technology, the right access to data, the, the right ways to um, share learnings about optimization. The third pillar is people and skills. So, and this isn't just about having resources available for optimization, but it's actually about the different skill sets available and the different skill sets that are utilized. Um, and, and, and there's often very like missing links there when it comes to optimization and who's delivering that. And then the fourth pillar is, is actually process and methodology. And, and again, just underlining the importance of a business needing to have process and methodology for optimization for it to have that long-term continuous impact um, for their business. So they're the, they're, they're the kind of pillars and the foundation for um, our growth methodology. And then as we, as we move like, on from that, um, what we then start to have a look at is the, what are the growth goals of the business? Um, what are the financial projections? What kind of impact do we, do we expect optimization to have for, for the business over you know, six, 12 months, two years' time? You know, this is long-term planning. It's not just expecting some quick fixes and um, everything happens overnight. So it's, it's looking at the growth goals and the, the potential impact. And then, then, then we start to move into the actual, right, now, now we're looking at starting to really develop and understand and gain the insights um, from different areas of the business and from different techniques, which, which are going to underpin the hypothesis that we develop and, and the things that we're going to change and how we're going to prioritize optimization. So the, the, our intelligent insights framework is underpinned by user research and behavioral understanding. Absolutely crucial. I mentioned earlier, it's, I've, I've worked in and delivered user research for about 15 years now. Mm-hmm. And I've known since I first did that, the importance of it to understand the, the behavior and observe, observing behavior. Um, but then you've got every, within this insights framework, you've got things from, of course, the data analysis, mm-hmm. from your analytics, from tools that are giving us um, quantitative data, um, Included within this is our kind of heuristics, uh, the heuristic evaluations, which is based on all our experiences of what, what's worked and what hasn't worked, the design patterns that we know are influential. There's also then the persuasion element, the persuasion layer to, to this. So, you know, how persuasive is a website currently? What persuasion techniques are, are the, the, company, the company using? But then specifically identifying the other, uh, what other persuasion techniques will really help to drive and influence user behavior. And then the final thing as part of the framework is the visitor and customer understanding that the business already has at its fingertips. So often the, there's really rich data from customer service teams, from web chat, um, from um, post, uh, post-purchase surveys that maybe isn't being harnessed enough. So um, you can see from this, what we're talking about here is a wide range of insights that we're looking to cherry pick from and we're looking to understand and we're looking to build together to help build strong hypotheses where we've got very valid insights which, which allow us to develop strong hypotheses that we're very confident will, be, will end up delivering an impact when, when we 
when we run tests. Okay, so the hypothesis is, is the outcome of these these intelligent insights and from you know research, user behavior, data analysis, heuristics, design patterns, persuasion, customer data. Um, then you develop your hypothesis. So, yeah, I, okay. I think all of this is is ultimately it's, it's the we're developing, we're really understanding the why. We're developing the why behind what what are we testing and, and why. What, what is the purpose of this change? Again, it's a, it's a mistake often made when we dig beneath the surface of companies that have been running testing and you interrogate, first of all, is there a hypothesis, which um, quite often there might not even be a, a, a hypothesis, but it, when there is, when we actually interrogate it further, it's, we struggle to find the why behind the hypothesis. So all this insights is is to really uncover the why. What what are we what are we trying to influence and change, and what behaviour have we observed, which we know with confidence we can positively influence. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And then the testing begins now with with this process where you know the foundational pillars, um, strategy, culture, tools, tech, people skills, process. As well as you know the, the the goals and the intelligent insights, but, but how long does it typically take? Um, because this seems quite foundational um, before you start to carry out the the AB you know spit testing or you know your multivariate test. Um, so so how long does this take to, to set up in an organisation? So when when we're working with companies and we start um, kind of ongoing ongoing programmes, we we're within the first over the over the course of the first two months, um, there's a variety, like a lot of these insights being gathered. There's various workshops. There's analysis being done. Um, so yeah, it's within the first few months that we're laying these foundations. We're developing this real understanding of the current user experience, the current customers, developing the ideas and the and again the why behind what are we going to start influencing? What are the big opportunities? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really important to to, to say with this that um, some companies still maybe come to us and expect results and testing and impact really quickly. But to do this intelligent, to do optimization intelligently, and to and to kind of walk before you run, then you know we we still need to educate businesses that this takes time. You you you've really got to do the groundwork um, without getting the groundwork, without doing the groundwork, and without doing this intelligently. The chances are they'll have a much lower test success rate. Um, you you won't get you won't build the momentum up and the buy-in for optimization because it's just not delivering the impact it deserves. So, yeah, it's crucial that that this this groundwork is done. I do I do absolutely agree with you because this seems quite thorough and um, to you know to to just sideline it to to a few weeks would be detrimental long term to to the campaign. Okay, so. Um, you know, this in itself deserves, you know, a, a full episode, you know, a full hour to, to discuss around. But um, just tracking back to focus, have you got any sort of um, visuals that I could share in um, on the show notes um, around your methodology um, to with, with listeners? Yeah, I think um, what will be probably most valuable um, to, to, to your listeners is actually... Um, if I give you a, a short Bitly link now, um, and it, it will take you to, um, I'll just check the Bitly link myself, um, but it should take you to a, a slide share. Um, so when I, pre- I do quite a lot of presenting and all our 
all, all our, myself and my team slides go onto our SlideShare account. Um, a few months ago, I, I presented at Conversion Conference UK, and um, within that slide deck, I, I share the methodology, okay. and th- there's a visual of it as well as there's, there's a lot of really there's a lot of good insight around. Um, on that deck as well it's not just about the methodology okay. um so if i let me just check the um check the bitly link that i need yes. to um share with you uh, it'll just give me 20 seconds um yeah, i'm really excited to to um to talk about um some of the entries in the book i i i cherry picked about five comments in the book and i'd love to to kind of um you know hear your opinion um on, on their take. It's really, really interesting. Um, so so yeah. for, for our listeners, there were 17, 17 um, experts, um, global experts. Um, there was Brian Eisenberg, who's um, speaking with me next week, Chris um, Gord, Paul himself, Craig Sullivan, Roger Doley, Brian Macy, Pep Lyre, David Dar Manning, Andy Scotch Muller, Tyler Wolf, Tim Ash, Oli Gardner, the, the lot, you know, Andrew Morris, Bat Scott, um, Linda Butos, Boster, sorry, and um, John Ekman. So, so they're, they're loads, and um, I would link to, to where to get the book, you know, from. Okay, so let's talk about um, some comments on, on the book. Um, the, the first one was, CRO is not a tactic. It needs to be embedded in the culture. We've, we've gone through that by Brian Eisenberg. And he said, um, so just trying to, to break down what, what he said about the concept of conversion rate, which I love. He said, conversion rate measures the ability to persuade visitors to take action you want them to take and measure effectiveness of satisfying customers. So how do you think... Um, but what are your suggestions with regards to embedding the culture of um, conversion rate optimization and testing in value proposition and even business you know, execution? So how does the, not just C, CMO, but the CEO or, you know, a CEO actually, you know, have the culture of, of optimizing and testing um in the execution of business strategy, the so yeah the the first the first thing that needs that needs to happen um, for for this to happen, which is from at the top of the business, um, you know from from the owner of the business down through levels of management, they they need to understand and appreciate the the importance and the opportunity of continuous optimization. Now, one of the of one of the most fundamental ways to be able to for, for this to start to happen is to basically expose the the decision makers to um, observing users, customers, potential customers, or, or actual customers using or trying to use their their online experience for their business, because there's so much kind of I suppose ego and opinion and history with how a business has maybe developed and improved, you know, designed its online experience over many years. Um, but there is typically there's, there's a disconnect between the internal blinkered view of the online experience and how visitors are interacting with it and, and how great the experience is um, versus the reality of actually when you look beneath 
when you look behind the curtain and you observe real users working through trying to use a website, looking at your competitor websites and making decisions on that, there's typically a big disconnect with that with that understanding and appreciation. So one one quick example, um, I'll just share how a business that um, that I admire very much so and that we've had fantastic learnings from that have come into our business from theirs is from um, AO.com, mm-hmm. um, Appliances Online. Um, I worked with... Um, probably about six or seven years ago with uh, Matthew Lawson, who was there then. Uh, the, the new role was like head of conversion. And he wanted to bring in this this kind of culture of optimization within their business. They didn't have it at all, um, you know, user experience and things. It just, the, the site had just evolved and it, was, it, it wasn't anywhere near where it could be. And so we, we worked together to... Um, to develop what what ended up going on to being described as kind of shock tactics for their business, but it had a, fund, a transformational effect, and that was to actually uh, utilize um, remote user testing. So uh, we use remote user testing to basically conduct and, and gain um, a, a, a big number of videos, m- much more much much more user research sessions than you would typically do if uh, when you're just looking to evaluate one part of a site or just. A, one round of research so we got a big number of, of videos done and we basically um got each of the decision makers and the senior management at AO appliances online as it was mm-hmm. called there to watch and observe the videos and we, with the brief to say watch these videos this is visitors using our website come back to us with any ideas or suggestions of where you feel we need to improve our, our experience um within kind of 10 minutes of people starting to watch the videos which was for the first time they were actually seeing behind the curtain the the senior managers and directors were coming back saying we need to change this we need to do that <laughs> we need to make our videos more prominent our product page is all confusing and this this was this was f- phenomenal this was fantastic because they it was this enlightenment moment for them mm-hmm. as to how far off the their user experience was from meeting their visitors expectations mm-hmm. and what what that's led on to almost the, the rest is history almost in that AO now one of they're selling washing machines. Um, God damn it! It's like you know this isn't a sexy product that they're selling, but making buying washing machines and and dryers and um, and ovens uh, they, they're kind of making it sexy. Mm-hmm. It's I've got huge admiration for them, and um, we've been fortunate enough at PRWD to have um, a lady who worked alongside Matthew Lawson uh, Nicole uh, come into our business. Um, she, she she's worked with us for 18 months um and and that's for her to bring in her experiences of how that culture was developed at mm-hmm. AO.com has been phenomenal so yeah i think if if that helped that you know so that's basically shock tactics um okay. but yeah go yeah. ahead please go ahead <laughs> you're saying <laughs> right no i i think that that's a, a fantastic example um the, the fact that you, you gave management, you know, real live data, you know, videos, and they were able to, you know, just appreciate the, the, the value from, you know, from optimization and insights, you know, live insights in, into, you know, areas they could potentially improve. So, um, I have two, two, so, so, so a good starting point for listeners is to start to watch recordings of actual people interacting or shoppers interacting, you know, with their with their stores. So so that's a key takeaway. Now, what tools can 
they use to 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 record these sessions and you know it's 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 there's also the the issue of you know how much data you know how how, how many videos how many hours of you know of the, um, these sessions can they you know should they watch you know so what what are your suggestions and advice around that please mm. so if if a company hasn't before or, or has very rarely invested in looking to understand users and how they interact and use their their, their website then um five to ten videos um five to ten research sessions would provide huge enlightenment. It isn't going to give, answer every question. It's not going to give you everything you need for the next 12, 18 months. Mm-hmm. But five to 10 videos, patterns would emerge, key opportunities would emerge within the first one or two videos of key opportunities. Even though it's small numbers, mm-hmm. it presents glaring opportunities. Um, so as a starting point, five to 10, um, but what a mistake that companies often do is do research. It's almost a tick in the box exercise. And then it could be one year, 18 months later that they think about doing user research again. Mm-hmm. That is a, that is a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, research needs to be, you know, be, be, be kept up to date. Behavior changes, people's expectations changes, your online experiences are improving and changing, hopefully. So keeping, topping up that user research is, is extremely important. Mm. In terms of tools to do this or techniques, um, the, I suppose the, the Rolls-Royce version of, of research is, is moderated research where you're actually spending time one-to-one with users and you, you're able to ask questions and probe um, through, that, through the, their experience as they're using a website to kind of dig beneath the surface. Um, so that's moderated research and that's what I've done for 15 years and I've always recognize the importance of that um if you then move to the more kind of cost effective um solutions then tools such as usertesting.com and what users do are are two of the main tools for um for carrying out remote user research um that can again obviously view great enlightenment um there are of course things like session recording tools um, which obviously give you feedback on people's interactions with your page and, and and your site but what that's missing is that's missing the commentary about mm. the thought processes and how people are making decisions and how what what's what's the key driver for them how how are they making a decision between brand a and brand b and mm. um, in terms of where they'll make that purchase decision so yeah they're the yeah some of the some of the tools and the key techniques to to kind of get beneath the surface of the user like behavior and motivation it's quite interesting because um in the real world i was reading a new york times article about um walmart they're trying to optimize um the the, the look of their the shelves basically they they felt that um their, their shelves were too cluttered and um there's there's just a thought in the retail industry that um the the the, the more you know, the, the, the items on, on an aisle, the, the more people would shop, you know, the more people would throw things into their carts. And, you know, um, and the more things in their carts, the, the more likely their, 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 their order value would, would increase. So um, they were running some tests. And um, what was quite interesting was they started to, in their research, they started to follow, you know, shoppers. And they realized what shoppers said they did differed to what they actually did. So actually observing them, you know, um, carrying out actions and then taking notes was a better way to to um, to, 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 to gather data um, in, in the real world in terms of, you know, shopping data. So I suppose for, for um, mid-tier retailers, would you think, would you, would you suggest um, a good starting point 
would be perhaps the the session um you know based um um you know recordings for 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 uh, you know um, on on live traffic without the commentary um just to start and you know present it as um as a way um as, as user data really as as a shopping behavior data well, yes, yeah, certainly. So something like um, Hotjar as, as a tool, which is, is one of the tools that we use, which is extremely cost effective. Um, there's diff- it's got quite, it's an interesting feature set that one of them does include the kind of session recording. So um, from a cost point of view, something like that, um, that would be a great step for a, a retailer to make to introduce a tool like that, that gives them them insights and be able to watch and observe videos of people that abandon or drop out or people that purchase. Um, but for things like the remote user testing that I mentioned, that mm-hmm. the, the, they aren't cost uh, prohibitive at all. So um, if a company is, if a retailer is just looking at what they're spending on acquisition, which um, you know mid-tier retailers all the way up, um, you know this would be typically a huge amount of money on a monthly basis mm-hmm. to drive that traffic to their site. Um, the cost of running remote user testing is completely in, like negligible. Mm-hmm. So um, I wouldn't like the the, the user research. Um, insight, remote user research, even moving into moderated research, the, it's worth its weight in gold. Um, so it shouldn't be something, oh, we'll maybe do that or we'll maybe set aside a bit of budget for that in six months' time. The, it, you know, the understanding user behavior, observing user behavior, behavior it needs to be a, the, a fundamental part of how you'll go about optimizing your retail experience. Okay, okay, brilliant. Okay, let's talk about silos. Um, this is... Chris Goward's um, comment: um, Why is optimization still viewed as tactical? <clears throat> I, you know, he was not the only person who mentioned it. Um, a lot of people, um, including um, I think it was was it Pep Liar and um, and David Darmanin, um, talked about the fact that um, a lot of people just write about the best practices. You know, what are the tactics? What are the hacks and shortcuts? And um, to 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 optimizing. Um, and um, so, how can we, so, you know, <clears throat> reduce? Well, just eliminate the 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 the, the perspective of um, Ciara being more t- tactical. Yeah, tactical to 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 organisations and to to to, to marketing and uh, you know generate to growth in general. Mm. So th- this goes back to. Um, Getting, getting, getting that buy-in, getting that appreciation and, and awareness, and that that true um, understanding from the from the top of the business of the importance of optimization of, and and of, of maybe the disparity between how good they think the experience is versus how how it actually is. So, because ultimately, without the buy-in from the top of the business. You know, these are the people that are making decisions on who to hire, who to recruit, what budget to set aside for external spend, internal spend. Um, that you know, we we know a lot of businesses where the the kind of middle management layer down, you know, e-commerce managers and directors are kind of fighting for investment to build a team up to bring in expertise. Uh, and you know, and so they're fighting upwards. So the the buy-in to make this a, a core part of the business strategy needs to come from the top down or else businesses, you'll continue to hit brick walls with a lack of budget. Um, so 
I, I think just, just one interesting, just quick um, thing I'll share is one of the most damaging case studies that I feel is has been out there and has been out there for a long time. And and I have I hear senior people refer to this sometimes, and it's the it's the hundred million dollar button, um, which you might recall, and it's it's when a a retailer, big huge retailer changed one of the buttons, changed the kind of wording, changed, and it, it led to this massive impact. But that, as, as a standalone care study, it's the, the, the huge number is, is ridiculous. It's, it wouldn't deliver, you know, that was just a project, projected amount. But, it, but it's a type of big impact thing that, you know, senior people and chief executive would sit up and listen and think, wow, like testing a button, that, like, and it can lead to such massive impact. And it, but it's just such, it's, it's fundamentally the wrong um, the wrong thing to plant in people's mind that testing is about the very intricate small parts of, of an experience. It's of course that's that's very much part of optimization, but it's it's much broader. It needs to be much bigger. It's about understanding what the value proposition of the business and um, mm-hmm. how can we change that. What do we need? To, how do we? How, what can we do to change our um, our kind of free to premium sign up? Subscription rate, as an example, you know, how do we change people's understanding of our proposition to make them put the hand in the pocket? Mm-hmm. You, you can't just do that by testing buttons and testing the wording on buttons. It's more fundamental than that. So, yeah, I think there's there's still such a long way to go. There's like inherent kind of ingrained beliefs you hear so often. Mm-hmm. Optimization specialists talk about it's not about testing button colors mm-hmm. and testing buttons, but it, that that's that still has to be uh, enforced and communicated because it it is still in the minds of a lot of senior people that testing is just this tactical thing and it's just it can be done very trivially by changing one color to another for, mm. perhaps mm-hmm. um, i think that that why is missing as you alluded to earlier okay so let's talk about your commentary so you talked about your the, your caption was talking the talk not walking the walk why do you think a vast majority of businesses are not committing to executing optimization as effectively as they claim, you know, to 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 to, to be optimized to to be to be? Um, is it? And, and you also talked about the fact that um, you know companies are that actually execute what they say. They act you know, optimization are in a minority. Do you think it's just an eighty twenty rule at play here, where there'd always be that minority? Who were more or less elite and executing it, you know, at top level, and then the the, the laggards really, which which are the eighty percent. To be honest, I think well, right now, if I was to assess the industry from our understanding and, and uh, experience of it, of the different businesses that we speak to and work with, the you've got a real small number of kind of elite businesses who are who have really embraced how integral optimization needs to be to grow their business. So brands such as um, Booking.com, Airbnb, Amazon, um, Etsy, Netflix, um, optimization is intrinsic to how their business runs and operates and they're continually testing. It's, it's just part of their DNA. This kind of business, certainly obviously, these are obviously huge brands, huge traffic conversions, and they've got a lot of traffic to play with to, mm-hmm. to optimize with. Um, you know they're in the absolute elite, and then you've probably, you've got a bracket down from that, which is maybe 
of of industry out there and this is again from our experience of from the mid-tier brands up to the the enterprise level businesses Mm -hmm. maybe another five or ten percent of businesses that really get this that are really trying to make changes and are really growing their business through intelligent optimization you've then probably got and but then you're probably getting in a big percentage maybe like 60 percent of businesses who who are doing testing they've got a testing tool they are running some tests but they're just they're testing for testing's sake mm-hmm. it's almost a tick in the box exercise and if you look back at their last 10 tests they probably maybe had two or three successes the, the, none of the tests have really impacted the bottom line metrics that they see through their analytics but they have been testing so it's a tick in the box but the, you know there's huge potential for that group of businesses to start doing testing intelligently and then you, you'll have at the bottom end of the ladder the, you know, the 10-20% of businesses who haven't yet got a tool in place and haven't really considered bringing testing and optimization into their business mm-hmm. so that, that's the kind of makeup that I would say from from the experience that we have um and it's actually because there's such a disparity between businesses understanding and appreciation of, of optimization um so before you even start to test and and what you test um the makeup of businesses and and the the flaws in the businesses that, that they might have or things that are working well and things that aren't that that led us to develop our um our maturity audit which mm. um I think I mentioned a bit earlier, but this is where we can audit and assess businesses, not on their online experience, but on everything that sits below that, mm-hmm. which is what, what is their strategy like and their culture, the, what tools do they have? And the areas that I talked about earlier, which are the foundations to our growth methodology. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, yeah if, if the business doesn't have these foundations in place, then they can be testing for three years and not really seeing an impact and not really growing through optimization, which is, which is a crying shame, but it, it, this is happening every single day. And there's millions of pounds being wasted on testing tools and technology and time to do testing that isn't driving value and impact. So in your maturity audit, um, what, 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 what elements, what pillars below optimization do you want to see? So yeah, so just to recap, these are the four pillars from um, for for growth methodology. Just whilst we're on this, um, the bit link I mentioned earlier on, which is Mm -hmm. to the slide deck um, from our talk and conversion conference, is um, it's just Bitly, and then it's CBG, um, CBG, not CRO. So it's actually. Yeah. So if people go to that bit.ly link, they'll get to my slides. And within that slide deck is the visualization of, um, of our methodology. Okay, I'll link to it for sure. I'll link to it for sure. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, so the, the four areas, just to recap, are um, the strategy and culture of the business, mm-hmm. the tools and technology that the company is using, the process and methodology, mm-hmm. and the people and, the people and skills. So that, yeah. 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 So that, that's the four. Okay. 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 Uh, this sounds very thorough. Very, very thorough. Okay. Right. Um, from a, now, okay. One question I wanted to ask with regards to the elite, you know, the Airbnbs, the Amazons, the booking.com is what do you think make, besides the money, you know, the, they're well-funded, very well-funded companies. Um, is what do you think really makes them different? Do you think, 
they either have um, a department dedicated to CRO or do you think every individual is embedded in the CRO testing culture or do you think it's down to 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 their process where you know everything is kind of streamlined into well, there's there's a testing element into anything they deploy um, what, what's your opinion on on, on yeah, what so, makes these guys different? It's, it's fascinating. So what makes them... Yeah, it, it, it is absolutely one of the suggestions you made there is that being customer-centric, genuinely understanding the users and their customers to understand what they need to do to improve that and to continually help to persuade more people to mm-hmm. do what they want them to do is part of their DNA. It's not It's not just a department. It's not in silo. It's intrinsic from the top down of their business. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, brands like Booking.com are continually testing. And, you, and like Amazon, you don't see big radical changes to their user experience, but they're continually fine-tuning the experience to make it more persuasive, to, to kind of use... Um, more kind of psychological triggers and techniques to um, to kind of influence people. So yeah, it, that that's got to happen. Um, that it, it becomes intrinsic to the DNA of the business. And, um, and they all they all deliver you know superior products. You know we, we have to say um, there's that's also a retention and advocacy layer which ties into to the optimization. It's it's just fascinating. You, you on your client list you have Skyscanner. Is, would you regard Skyscanner? They're based in Scotland or I think Glasgow, or Edinburgh. And um, would you regard them as um, an elite Skyscanner.com, the travel search engine? Yes. Yeah, so, so, so they um, really interesting with them. Um, they brought us in. Um, it was probably two years ago now. They weren't doing any testing. Wow. Um, two years ago and they brought us in um well they, they first of all went out to a range of agents to speak to a range of agencies around the world actually of to see which company companies would be best suited to come in and help them develop their optimization culture and their strategy and process and it was a privilege for PRWD to be selected and, and to be that chosen agency so we worked with them for uh, an initial six months and it was to bring in our methodology and our process and our techniques that were used and the kind of foundations that you know are so important to optimization and and very much what they've done since that is they've kind of run run with that they've now they've got a head of optimization mm. um, who was who used to work at shop direct and they've now their technology and testing platform allows them to test pretty much anything. So mm-hmm. it's like a booking.com type approach. Um, so we don't, we're not working directly with them now, but from everything I understand, um, from knowing Colin who works there, um, yeah, they, they're very much looking to be, you know, get into that top tier of, mm-hmm. of the most progressive businesses. And, and they were very clear on that at the start, working with us, that um, this is going to be a key, like an internal culture for their business. Mm-hmm. Uh, from from what I hear, they've, they've been successful with that. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me like um, a lot of the cutting-edge innovation and discoveries are um, being sort of well discovered with agencies like yourself and you know people in the conversion alliance just due to the amount of data you're working with and um, some companies come in to take some of this knowledge and embed it in their culture yeah so i think yeah it's interesting we get companies coming to us um some are looking for a like a full service like you know can you deliver our optimization for us we just don't have the resources and the, the capabilities to do this internally um 
other companies are looking for a kind of collaborative approach where they're looking to kind of maybe upskill their team and to start to slowly bring this into their business. And then companies like Skyscanner are looking to fast track um, that cultural transformation in their business. So yeah, different, different companies, different approaches, just as in, you know, as with techniques such as uh, search engine optimization, um, being now such a mature industry, mm. some businesses do it all internally, some businesses outsource everything, others do part of it. Um, and, you know, optimization, will, you know, will, will go in that same direction. It's, mm. not, um, it's not an internal or external um, uh, practice. Okay. 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 Let's quickly run um, through Roger Judy's imputers. A lack of focus on customers' non-conscious mind, and he was like, so, so in, in that sense, you know, how do you get into the minds of shoppers? And you know, my question is, how do you get into minds of shoppers using behavioral science and psychology and social proof um, as tools from a CRO or from an optimization standpoint? Yeah. So this is this is like really like absolutely crucial area and really interesting and um there's some sometimes you hear that um you only need to like, observe what people do rather than listen to what they say because that's often different and what you know what they say is what what they'd like to be doing or what they think they should be doing but when we when we're speaking to end users and consumers when asking the right questions um which which are leading questions and asking at the right time um and and also presenting visitors with different user experiences so different company websites to compare against so it's not they're not just viewing something in isolation then there's a real skill in this but you can really start to understand the the kind of motivations and the the behavior of people's the non-conscious mind by asking the right questions so um it's yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating area that for us, with the right skills and techniques, you, you can bring what you know what's going on in people's mind. You can bring that to the surface, mm. and so that's why, as I mentioned, I've been doing moderated user research for fifteen years, and it's such a crucial, but still an often undervalued and underutilized um, technique in optimization mm, mm, mm. insights. Okay, very very interesting. Right, um, Brian Macy, he. <laughs> he was quite um, controversial saying um, the well, CRO should be changed to OBO, which means um, online business optimization, just due to the fact that, you know, optimizers optimize for revenue. What, what's your take on, and not images or buttons, as you alluded to? What's your take on, 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 on his um, suggestion? So, yeah, it was really, really interesting. I think a lot of optimizers, we all, uh, we all agree that CRO is, is is a very limiting acronym, but it's synonymous with the industry. And, and I, I personally feel that it's it's kind of holding the holding the industry back in the sense that it's too narrow, as as, as you kind of alluded to there. Um, interestingly, around the time when um, Brian provided this quote and he proposed OBO online business optimization, is it was actually around the time I was presenting at conversion conference and the the BitLink. CBG, not CRO. Um, so CBG was the acronym or a proposed acronym to, to, to for us to move to, which which stands for continuous business growth. Okay. So, so again, it's it's making it a much more serious practice, a much more strategic um, thing that we're talking about, rather than just a technique of optimizing conversion rates. So it's about business growth, but having the word continuous in there as well, I feel is is a, a very important. 
element to this. It's 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 emphasizing that this is a continuous thing that we're investing in that's part of our DNA, or it should be part of our DNA. It's it's not just a we'll turn the tap on and off. Um, so CBG is is kind of where I've got to personally, and um, in terms of what should what could be a much stronger, more long term acronym to represent optimization and growth. Uh, I think growth should be in whatever acronym the, the industry evolves or chooses to pick. Okay, um, right. Um, uh, this is the final part of, um, of this episode. And um, I, I'm, before we start out the, the lightning round, um, I have one core question. Um, a lot of our listeners are mid-tier retailers, so they're seven figures um, and they're, they're looking to move to, to either eight or even you know um, nine-figure businesses. For for a mid-tier e-tailer, how can they effectively use CRO as a growth lever um, to 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 for, for the next twelve months to to, to hit their targets uh, as a business? Um, as a, I suppose as a as a little another promotion of of the book, but the the purpose of the book is to help businesses make that step change that that strategic change of direction or that 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 change to the libel moment of right when optimization can be a huge growth lever for our business and so i suppose i would put right at the beginning to potentially get a copy of the book get that in front of the decision makers in the business and say look next this year this next 12 months, we want to we want to start walking the walk. Mm-hmm. We want optimization to become crucial. We don't want to do what all these other companies are doing in this book, mm-hmm. which is making these mistakes of not taking it seriously enough. So, we've got you've got to get that the, the, you've got to get that foundation piece right. Without that, you, you know, the team the, the team delivering the optimization, they'll hit brick wall through that next 12 months. So, um, so that's crucial first of all. And then hopefully, if if that it is that kind of shock tactic or that light bulb moment, then beginning to invest in either internally, but you know, using it, using an agent, bringing an intelligent process where it's underpinned by user behavior and user understanding. There's a why behind the testing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, which this leads on to a much broader point and a separate topic, but the business embraces the opportunities of testing from simple and iterative through to bolder strategic and innovative testing mm. which can and should make up how, how the company is running tests for their website not just being reliant on simple quick easy testing because that will only take you so far so a, a retailer looking to make that big step change they'll only achieve that by embracing the spectrum of testing that, that's available to them mm. and um, yeah, so I, I, I just want to take you on the bold and innovative, you know, um, changes of testing. What does that encompass um, versus the iterative and um, the more progressive um, approach? Yeah, so the, the kind of the, yeah, the, the full spectrum going to like innovative and radical and strategic. Mm-hmm. This is where, and we've worked with businesses doing this, it's where testing is done to understand potentially how the value proposition or the actual delivery of a service for a business needs to change or if there's an opportunity to change. So one quick example is a, a businesses we, business we work with where it was a free, they had a free subscription and premium subscription. They hardly had any, any people choosing to go premium. 
and the, the testing was used to understand what out of the feature set that this business had between free and premium, what was the tipping point? What was the, what was the magic feature or function um, or benefit of their service that would tip people from going for premium paid versus free, mm-hmm. the, the free service? So that was, this was a game changer for their business. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an example of a strategic um, innovative test because we're testing the, 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 the proposition of the business. We're not just mm-hmm. testing, can we get more people from the shopping basket to check out? Mm-hmm. It's, are we, can we fundamentally change users' decision-making? Okay. What's your take on um, a retailer comes to you, for instance, and um, in your opinion, in your subjective opinion, um, they have a really crap website, but their website has managed to, perhaps just due to their value proposition, um, manage convert the conversion rate to, say, 3 to 5%, which is not too bad. Um, what would you sort of take, what would you tell them to, <laughs> to take everything down and look, you know, 10 times more expensive or, you know, um, or look more appealing, uh, or, you know, look nicer, more appealing to, to, to visitors, or would you still use what they have and kind of test, you know, bits based on the fact that you've done, you, you've carried out the, um, the maturity, you know, audits, um, would you go for a radical change or would you go for an incremental, you know, small change? Would you go for um, an evolution or would you go for a revolution in that, um, um, in, in that instance? Really, really interesting. I think what we'd be looking to do there is, is obviously based on the data because you mentioned that maybe this business is still quite successful, this mm-hmm. retailer. So we'd actually look at are, are the big like leaky buckets sometimes as like Pep Liar likes to um, re- refer to in, in the user journey. So, you know, are there some glaring steps in the process that there's there's some quick win opportunities that can be tested to kind of plug some of the gaps? So rather than just suddenly thinking, yeah, it, it looks like a poor looking website, we need to redesign and we need to build from the ground up. Actually, that redesign, if we were to go down that route, could take six months or nine mm-hmm. months. So we could have six or nine months opportunity to get more revenue, more growth, more customers with our exi- by understanding the existing user experience and plugging the gaps and introducing new ideas through some simple testing maybe and maybe some, uh, you know, a, a redesign of a key page or a key landing page based on prior test insight knowledge and also user feedback. Um, so yeah, it's not, it's not a hard and fast this website looks really poor. It could be a lot better. So we need to go away and start to do a redesign. It's what can we improve upon first um, and what learnings can we take? Um, and, and then as well also, what I think businesses often under undervalue or underappreciate is actually there's there's potentially some really great strengths in their user experience. So even though the, the design could look a lot better, it could be brought up to more modern design standards. Mm-hmm. Actually, the, there could be some great features or functionality or parts of the experience that work really well. And it's a real danger for companies that just move into the we need to redesign, we're going to go away and do this big redesign and the new shiny bells and whistles mm-hmm. um, e-commerce experience. Potentially, they, they've 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 lost what, what were the strengths and positive parts of the experience of their old website. Mm. So you've you got to be very careful with that. I mean, if, if a Tesco starts looking like an Apple, <laughs> like an Apple story, you know what happens. Okay, right. Okay, let's let's move to the evergreen lightning you know, round. Um, and this, just, uh, I'm going to ask you a set of questions and um, you could answer with a sentence or two, Max. Okay. How do you hire people? Um, 
we first of all we attract great talent because of the the branding that we have and the awareness that we have and this area is still niche so we we get great great people coming to us um but then when people come into into our recruitment process, we have quite a thorough uh, multi-step process to basically understand the different strengths of, um, of of that person and how they might fit with the business. So okay. it's crucial. Yeah. <laughs> what are okay. the three indispensable tools for managing PR WD? I think these would these would come into like communication tools. So things like um, things like Slack, as an example, it's um, really important, and things like Trello. Um, so things to ma- to allow the business and the team to, to to see what's going on and to communicate with each other um, effective quickly and effectively on okay. cross device. Okay. And your top five Sierra tools. So um, tools would be the analytics, the the insight tools, so GA, things like Hotjar, um, session recording. And then, we, of course, we need testing tools um, to deliver the testing. So whether it's Qubit, um, BWO, Optimizely, you know, the main tools that we use. So it's, yeah. Okay. All right. What one piece of advice can you give mid-tier e-tailers looking to 2x or 3x the e-commerce ventures in the next 12 months? Um. It's to get that strategic buy-in, understanding and appreciation at the, at the start of that journey that they want to go on. Okay. Great. Okay. <laughs> if you could choose a single book or resource that has made the highest impact on how you view building a business and growth, which would it be? Yeah, that is uh, Rework by um, by the 37 Signals guys. Um, mm-hmm. it was, I think it's about eight years old. Um, fantastic, fantastic book. Mm-hmm. Good yeah. Okay, finally, could you let our audience know how they can find and reach, reach out to you? Yeah, um, so social media um, through my Twitter, Paul Rook, or um, on, uh, link, on LinkedIn. Um, our company website, prwd.co.uk, um, which includes our blog. And, and also, I write fairly regularly for e-consultancy mm-hmm. as well. So um, people can read uh, my articles on, on e-consultancy as well. And I think you also developed the first um, conversion optimization course for e-consultancy. We have, yeah, that that we first started delivering that last year. So that's yeah, um, e-consultancy's only dedicated conversion course, which which is actually a strategic course rather than a tactical course full of tips and techniques of what to test because that isn't <laughs> that that, is, that isn't what's needed uh, in businesses. Okay. Um, and finally, how can people get hold of, of the book, a story of untapped potential, the growth strategy that's been ignored? Yeah, so there's um, we. It's just been it's, it's, it's available on Amazon now in digital ebook format, and the print version should be available to start buying um, at the end of this month. The um, the the Bitly link for this should be uh, Growth Leaders. So Bitly forward slash Growth Leaders. Um, that should take you to the um, the product page on Amazon. Okay, I will link to it, um, and guys, I'll link to it from the show notes. So you know, guys, you know, get grab your copies. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much, Paul, for, for being part of the show coming on today's episode. It's very long, but it was very, 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 very worth it. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you. Yeah, thanks once again for the invite, Kunlay. And uh, yeah, it's been my pleasure to share my um, experiences with uh, your listeners. Cheers. So thank you to Excess for sticking to the very end of today's episode. And 
I hope you found Paul's insights in conversion rate optimization, optimization and growth in online business, you know, um, actionable and helpful. Head over to Amazon to purchase a copy of the book, The Growth Strategy That's, that, that's Been Ignored. Just, just search for Paul Rook or um, PRWD on, on Amazon. It should take you to the Kindle version. And um, later on, you can get the hard copy at the end of the month. To download the, co- the, the show notes, just head over to 2xecommerce.com. And for updates to, to help grow your store, be sure to sign up to our email list on 2xecommerce.com. Until the next show, guys, do have a fantastic one. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X e-commerce. To help you get more actionable insights and e-commerce growth hacks that will help you 2X your online retail business, hop over to 2xecommerce.com. It's a blog dedicated to e-commerce and multi-channel marketing run by the show's host, Kunle Campbell. 2xecommerce.com is packed full of articles and guides to help increase traffic to your store, increase repeat purchases, and average order value. Thanks for listening. Visit 2xecommerce.com. Wow.